Welcome to the Postmodern Art Podcast, the podcast dedicated to giving artists who are wiring the world over the platform they deserve. I am your host, Nathan Raglan, and thank goodness it is so great to be back. Uh, for those who do not know, at the time that you're listening to this, I've been on a little bit of a hiatus, you know, for personal reasons more than anything else, but everything is all taken care of, and now we can get things rolling, get back to the way that they were. So with that, I think it's enough time for chit-chat, and it's time we get to the Poison Points, where we introduce another fantastic guest, shall we? Today's guest is Loot VT, a merchant spider VTuber and podcast host whose incredible style and amazing personality cannot be contained to one model. Now, I know right off the bat this is going to seem confusing because, as you'll soon notice, I won't be talking to a merchant spider. Instead, I'll be talking to a poison dart frog based VTuber. That's because this episode was recorded before Christmas of 2023. So between then and when this episode releases in February 2024, uh, Iris has since rebranded herself as Loot VT. Um, I even made sure to ask her whenever she decided to rebrand if she wanted to re-record this interview. But she was straight up just told me like, hey, no, honestly, it is still a fantastic conversation that you guys should absolutely enjoy. And the elements of her are still there. I mean, she's still Iris at the end of the day. If you enjoy Iris or Loot, however you wish to address her, please make sure to check her links down in the description below. If you enjoyed the podcast, make sure you like, share, subscribe, or follow whatever audio streaming platform you prefer. Leave five stars wherever you can. You know I see that stuff, and you know it absolutely warms my heart. If you want to go a little further with that support, may I recommend checking out the incredible merch shop, which we have recently updated to include... Are you ready for this? Shoes! I'm not going to lie. I was very hesitant to release these shoes, but honestly, the designs that have been whipped up look absolutely amazing and i think you deserve some sick kicks that you should be rocking today but now without further ado please enjoy the postmodern art podcast how are you doing today i'm doing well how are you i'm doing fantastic oh you fell over you stay you're my co-host hey you're my co-host here (laughs) I need to get something to, to, to stilt him up a bit. Oof. Have you met Clyde yet? No, I have not met Clyde. <laughs> I was like, hello, people of the internet. This is Clyde. Say hi to Clyde. <laughs> <laughs> is he? Has he been there for a long time, he's, ever since Halloween? Uh, he's been there for, I want to say, at least a good couple of years. Well, at least a year or so at this point. Okay, okay. Yeah. So... Uh, somewhat fun story but also sad story in a way this was actually my grandpa's skeleton like he just kind of had him as kind of like a a, a, i guess a friend in a way or whatnot and he passed away like february 2021 and we had this kind of stored in like one of the back rooms right here but then my sister had moved in back into the house and my dad wanted to make sure that her kids didn't mess with the skeleton. So we just have kept him in my room and he's been here ever since kind of incorporate him as part of the, the setup in a way. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Do you have any questions or concerns before we get the show on the road? Uh, do I look pretty? <laughs> you look stunning. If I do say so myself. Thank you. I can give uh you know, any amount of boobage moving <laughs> up and down. I- I mean, obviously, the more the better, but now, oh, yeah. <laughs> if I prolong it, it 
<laughs> Jesus. I don't know why. I, I like it I have more locomotion this way, but they don't move at all. But when I'm nodding even just a little bit, they are because, be, be, because gravity. Gravity <laughs> It works both ways, horizontal and vertical. It does, but but let's be honest, gravity is more of a force going down than it is side to side, all right? Okay, that's fair, that's fair. <laughs> also, this is technology that we're talking about here, like, especially the internet that we're talking about right here. Like, more motion oh, yeah. that way is, is kind of what most horn dogs are thinking of. Anyways, um... <laughs> all right, Iris, before we really get going, I'm going to ask the icebreaker question of the podcast, if I may. Let's say you get to Rip. go. To, let's say you get to go to a desert island on your own accord. It is just you alone with your thoughts. You get to kick back, relax, breathe. You get to truly enjoy yourself for a little bit. With accommodations, you're not stranded on an island. It's your own like little personal B and B vacation, you know, away from society for a little bit. Thank God. Um, <laughs> to help make sure you don't go completely further insane on this island, you can bring one piece of media or one piece of art with you to help with whatever kind of headspace you want. If given this opportunity, what would that one piece be? The one piece is real. Uh, so <laughs> does this include, and when you say media, does this include a book or it, something along those lines? That definitely includes a book because it is, in my opinion, either art or media. So, yeah, it's absolutely among that. Okay. Uh, have you heard of the book series Warriors? War. I feel like I have heard it. Like my first thought whenever I hear warriors is warrior cats, but those. But I think it's two yeah. different. Oh, it's oh, it is warrior cats. Well, it, it's kind of based around the concept of warrior cats, okay. but specifically, uh, it is cats in the wild that are like were once domesticated and then freed, and they they like got lost, abandoned by their owners. Okay, uh, they all have their internal monologue and the, the way they interact with each other. Um, the series is really long, <laughs> extremely long. Uh, and if I had that at my disposal, I think by the time I finished reading the last book, I could wrap my way back around to the beginning and forget everything that had happened and start <laughs> over again. <laughs> Endless entertainment, because who can remember oh, yes. all of it? <laughs> <laughs> Which, hey, fun fact about that book series. Um, it was written by a an author named Aaron Hunter. Okay. Which is actually a pseudonym. Uh, the book series is written by three people, and oh. they all go by Aaron Hunter as their their little writing book group. That that's honestly kind of smart if you really think about it. Like you know, like I met, my my biggest concern would be obviously how would the checks like work out for that? Like yeah, you know, the royalties and all that kind of stuff. Because like who would get the bulk of it? Like oh yeah, book two didn't really sell that much. Way to go, Aaron. Meanwhile, book, <laughs> meanwhile book twelve. Oh, this one's an instant bestseller. Good job, Aaron. Looks like you're getting more of the cut. <laughs> yeah, uh, I really didn't feel it during the first part of the series, but mm. at the very end when they started transitioning into what I would like to refer to as the modern day. So like 2010s at the time okay. I finished reading, uh, they started using new language for all of the cats. And okay. they had this like, it wasn't like old timey, like, you know, like yield and language, but it was very straight to the point. They, they still had personality though. And then all of a sudden, all the cats started talking like, uh, I, I don't know dot 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 like a lot of ellipses and it the flow the flow was all off and i i couldn't get back into it after that <laughs> you know that's it's 
This is going to sound horrible for me to say, but it sounds like it went more away from traditional book writing and more to modern day fan fiction. If I could just be so blunt. (laughs) Like I'm not even a big fan fiction reader. I'm I I like it. Like I'll occasionally find something that I enjoy. Uh, But what I liked about this series was it felt very grounded. And so when they shifted to the, uh, fanfic writing style it, it definitely hurt its reputation for sure well that leads to obviously a follow-up question for me in the first place what was it about that series that got you invested in the first place um i was always told that i wasn't a very good reader when i was mm-hmm. young and like my I, I was so into video games all the time obviously i'm a, i'm a big gamer and one of those people that told me that was well my mom and I was like, okay, let me pick whatever I want at the library and I'll read it, fine, whatever. And this was in elementary school around the fifth or sixth grade. And uh, the second I picked up this book, Warriors, I couldn't put it down. I actually got sent to the principal's office in class. That is how much I read books during class. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, at least that's a, a big turnaround from, yeah, no, you can't read whatsoever. To, Jesus Christ, will you just stop reading? <laughs> oh, yes, yes, 100%. And then eventually the the reading portion went away. The, the last book I remember reading and really enjoying in full was a, uh, oh, I'm blanking on her name um if you've ever heard of del Toro quest okay i don't think i have uh it's a very strange action adventure series that's kind of written like a light novel okay. almost okay uh short short books they're meant for the early grade le- reading level like fifth or sixth grade and um they eventually uh made an anime out of it which i thought was oh. amazing uh i actually funnily enough for that year that i read it we had this like competition for the school and we would mail away letters to the our, our favorite authors uh i didn't even think mine would reach the author of the show but in my letter i wrote it would be really really cool to see these characters actually detailed and animated and i i didn't hear about it again i finished the series and then, like, four or five years later, I turn on, like, I think it was Crunchyroll or something. And at the very top, Del Toro Quest. And I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> she listened to me? <laughs> Just for me? <laughs> really? And I haven't watched it yet, but okay. I do want to go back through and watch it. So, <laughs> Well, that's incredible to hear regardless. But regardless, for the initial answer, the, the Warriors series, that is your answer. Mm-hmm. You're, walk- you're locking that in. Yeah, Warriors for sure. Then if that's the case, I cannot think of a better way to start the Postmodern Art Podcast. Welcome everyone, I am your host Nathan Ragland. Uh, feel free to like, share, subscribe, or follow whatever audio streaming platform you prefer. Uh, I think you would look fantastic in this incredible merch that's available at fourthwall.com. Link to that will be in the description below. Just saying, you would look fantastic in it. And follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Blue Sky, and TikTok at PostModArtPod for future updates and guest announcements, including today's guest. <clears throat> She is a poison dart frog VTuber and podcast host whose suave style and seductive personality cannot be contained to one model. Welcome to the podcast, Iris Neolutrium! Hello, oh my god, I'm here today. (laughs) You are indeed here today. It is a pleasure to have you. How are you doing today? 
I am doing absolutely lovely. A bit tired, but we we live. This is how I live my life. <laughs> <laughs> well, if I do say so, yeah, you may live your life that way, but you certainly have led an interesting life, at least when it comes to how you want to present yourself with this incredible VTuber personality. I mean, obviously, we've known each other for a little bit at this point. I mean, it, for those who don't know, I, I know I announced it at least with, like, youtube and stuff like that i did appear on an episode of your legendary podcast but and we'll definitely talk a lot about that but i'm mm -hmm. certainly excited to have the opportunity to sit down and chat with you get talk about like how you do how, how unique of your style is when it comes to presenting obviously yourself but before we really talk about the stuff you're doing nowadays i want to go back just a little bit and learn more or less the origin story of iris or probably the person behind iris i guess at this point what got you interested into art in the first place um, you're taking me way back, way back in time. Where that, that's the goal. I, I I I hardly think about this anymore because it's like not necessarily a bad part of my life, but it's a part of my life that like was broken up because of life events. Okay. So when I was a, a wee, well, at the time I was a wee lad. I I would refer to myself as, and I had just finally gotten access to YouTube. My Ooh. parents were very conservative Christian and they wouldn't let me get on there until uh, a certain age. I don't even remember. I think it was a uh, 13. So 12, 13 teenage years. Um, and I was immediately shunted into the world of let's plays and PewDiePie <laughs> and cryotic and Markiplier and Jacksepticeye, all of those fellas and watching them on screen. Absolutely captivated me. I love the way that they made me laugh, that they made me feel emotions, that I could be uh, scared alongside of them because they did all the, the horror stuff. Mm -hmm. And I begged my dad every single day, I, I want a computer. I want a computer so bad. I want to be able to do this stuff. I want to be able to make a channel of my own. Uh, sadly, I, I didn't really get that opportunity at all for another five years. Um, wow. <laughs> which, you know, if, if that was in 2012 with the big boom, uh, so 2017 was when I really got my big start, finally able to afford my own computer and start my own journey in that. But unfortunately, uh, times had changed and in five years, the era of the let's play died, but I didn't let that stop me. I, uh, created a channel. I'm not going to name what that channel is, not out of like embarrassment or for like doxing it's just it's just not my proudest work but i released in i think three years i released 300 videos oh wow um i played through like i don't even know how many games at this point i i, I had gone through like 20 to 30 let's plays of video games and i reached a point where you know my life had been developing in the irl i will got married actually. Oh, wow. And I was like, okay, well, I'm in a relationship. Uh, admittedly, spoiler alert, not a very good relationship. And I had to put away my artistic drive for, well, committing to moving away, starting a, a new life somewhere, and, uh, you know, trying to figure out what I want to do. And on the aside, I know that this isn't really maybe what you would consider a, like, a modern art thing. I guess it is a little bit, but my profession is being a cook. I, I'm a culinary artist. Uh, that's like the only thing traditionally that I can do outside of a computer. 
is make food and recipes. Mm -hmm. And so I decided, you know what, I'm going to pursue this really hard. I'm going to make this my career. And I even planned on going to college. Uh, and that was for like two years. Didn't touch any content creation in terms of YouTube and all that stuff. Uh, two years pass. Uh, a fortunate day comes. Divorce happens. We don't have to. We, we could gloss over that. That's yeah, fine. we, we, I, we, we don't have. We, we don't have to dwell <laughs> on that. I got you. Um, and after that, I felt a loss of identity. I okay. felt like I wasn't myself anymore. Um, all the things that I loved, I felt like was part of my relationship. And with the the shizm, the shkizm, uh, it was like I didn't know where I wanted to be. And I searched everywhere throughout the the depression that was had and living on my own for the first time in since I was married. I eventually, you know, I, I kept on doing the cooking. I eventually stumbled onto my dream cooking job. And it was during this time that a, uh, this, this is going to be a little bit of my trans story. Uh, we're going to okay. mix it all in together. Um, during this time, I cracked a joke to one of my more elderly co-workers. And she said, oh, you're so cute. And that, like, resonated inside of me. And I was like, why does this make me feel bubbly? But this doesn't feel right. I'm supposed to be the big tough guy, right? Mm. And, you know, the following day, somebody said that I look handsome. And I suddenly didn't feel so good anymore. Um, and it finally dawned on me after a little bit of soul searching uh, that I wasn't really comfortable with being the man. Uh, when I was married in a traditional Christian relationship, they usually tell you, you got to be the man of the household. I had never really subscribed to that notion. And I think that's part of the reason. Um, okay, cool. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm a woman. I'm going to explore this part of me. I asked my friends, I... I asked them to call me a specific way, as you know me today, mm -hmm. Iris. Uh, she, her, all that stuff. And then one day, I was sitting with my friend. We were watching anime together. And uh, we, I don't know what it was. We turned on YouTube or something. And uh, embarrassingly enough, I hate to admit that this was like my introduction to VTubing. Okay. Uh, but we watched a, a Nyaner's clip. <laughs> <laughs> and I was absolutely enamored. I was like, oh, I've heard of these people before. These these VTubers. Wait, is this is this possible? Am I gonna have to sink like a a thousand, two thousand, three thousand dollars if I wanted to try this? So I hopped on Twitter and no. It turns out it was a almost like you could just get a, a PNG avatar and start streaming right away. And immediately when I figured that out, I started saving money and well then we come into where we are today. This is like the, that's like the push into my VTubing career. <laughs> that was more or less the spark that led to the, basically the amalgamation of the person that I'm talking to today. Uh, yes. If, <laughs> if I do say so, that is quite the origin story more than anything else. Just every single step of that process, like just, mm -hmm. just kind of, you know, like not just the origin of what got you interested in the art, but like content creation, a different kind of art, which I definitely want to talk a little bit about because I, I've, I will be honest with you, Iris, I have been dying to have someone of the culinary arts on this podcast. So I'm glad oh, you're, yes. <laughs> so I'm, I'm glad you're more or less like the, the, the step that I'm looking towards to when it comes to that kind of thing. And then mm -hmm. 
obviously, again, the origin story of the the incredible person that you are today. I mean, if that, it, it, it's almost movie esque at this point. Like straight up, like, <laughs> like, are you sure you're not reading a script? I mean, I know I wrote some stuff down, but this isn't a script. This is just a couple questions. So I don't know where you're getting these lines. Up. <laughs> oh yes, I you know throughout my years of learning how to talk. Um, because when I when I was creating content on YouTube, I mm-hmm. tried my hand at the YouTube streaming, which I was quite successful at, uh, okay. surprisingly enough. But I, I learned how to talk to myself. And whenever I was editing a video, uh, I'm, I'm not as good as I am now. Uh, I, I've kind of, kind of given up on it. But the, the uhs and the ums and the likes and the, the pauses <sighs> ended up becoming less and less because I was so frustrated with cutting them out of the video. I, I would just... Every single time I heard an uh, it, it gone out of the video, and it mm. quadrupled the amount of effort I put in, even though it really didn't even need to be that way. People kind of like that, the the stuttering, because it's, it's personal. Yeah. You get a little bit of you in it. Um, and you, you kind of lose the, uh, I, I, I guess it's more professional, but I've never been one for profession there, uh, there there's a there's a difference between <laughs> professional and personal you you have mm-hmm. the professionalism but you kind of lose that kind of personal touch you make it seem like you're just putting it out there for a performance review instead of creating like a fun interactive experience that your your friends and family can be in on mm-hmm. the best way i can put it was uh i i I obviously can't tell you where I worked, but I, right. I one of my bigger restaurants that I worked for, I traditionally was researching all of the stuff. I was I wasn't qualified for the job. I'll just mm. flat out say it. I cheated my way in uh, with the intent of I would do my absolute best, try my hardest every single day, and I did. It, it worked out. But one of the first things that the head chef taught me was I was trying to cut things very prim, proper, precise. Everything had to line up. And he said, no, do it over again. I want it to look rustic. Uh, It it needs to look like you both cared, but also you didn't care too much. And that actually stuck with me as an ideology. Um, Not being too professional to to the point where you lose that bit of uh, personality. But having that little bit of care, that little bit of love in everything that you do, it gives you a lot of wiggle room to experiment and be yourself. All right. All right. That's absolutely incredible. But since we are kind of on this topic of culinary art, I can't help but just go down this path. Because, again, this is something that I didn't mm-hmm. even realize as I was doing my research with you. So this is, <laughs> this, this is, this is a fun new like, opportunity for me. What was it about culinary arts that made you want to like, dive headfirst into that field? Uh, I have so many, like, it, it's weird because when you think about the origin story of something, mm-hmm. it's embarrassing because <laughs> then you're like, oh, that, really? Was that the reason? Oh, my goodness. Um, it all started when a little old cartoon came out when I was uh, quite young. Uh, I'm sure you've heard of it, maybe uh, 16. Okay, yes. Uh, so the main character, pardon me, I forget all the names, one of the main cast uh, the skater dude with the mm-hmm. blonde hair and the hat, uh, he ran the like main convenience stand, the drink stand that was like the focal point of the show where they would all gather up and meet. And I was absolutely enamored with 
like starting my own drink stand as a little little child and that like you know i i was very excited i went to a uh what you would refer to as like a summer camp for extra credit and i took a culinary course there hated it Um, (laughs) and i i was worried because i was like this is the first thing in my life that i've ever really wanted to do and then I, i i had a like normal school year i had gone to a new school and i took the course again and I ended up loving it. And food service for me, there's like this satisfaction, this like a little dopamine rush in my head when I make something and I get to see a smile on somebody's face. And that like carried me through like, well, it's carried me through every kitchen job because not a lot of people know this or perhaps if you do, uh, then I'm on your side. Uh, culinary jobs kind of suck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they do. No matter no matter what level or what layer of it, whether it's the the bare minimum minimum wage stuff at like you know a fast food joint or a mall food court, like yours truly, I did work at a Indian place at a mall food court. Um, mm-hmm. Of all interesting things, to all the way to the highest level of you know freaking you know Michelin three star like maximum you know. $200 meals for appetizers, you know, stuff like that. It all sucks. It all sucks in one way or another. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so as far as my first job goes, uh, again, we'll reveal why I worked. Cause I've worked for what could be considered like almost all local chains. So okay. I've never worked for a long time for a, a, uh, a national chain. Like I worked for Applebee's at one point and I worked for, uh, uh, f- oh, fuck! I forgot the name of it. Instantly out of my brain because I hated it for. Uh, uh, I'm sure no, it'll come, come to you at some point. <laughs> <laughs> but my first job, I dished for a full year. Okay. And at the end of my first year, I told my boss that I would like to cook on the line, and she told me, "Okay, well, I'm gonna have to test you. Uh, so just memorize the menu, and you know." Yeah, come back to me. We'll go over things. I'll I'll give you the test, and if I think you're good enough, then I'll give you the job. Uh, little does she know, or did she know, uh, that I have a photographic memory. Uh, when I care about something a lot, I will listen to music. I guess it's more of an associative memory. I can't remember the name. Eidetic, that's the word. Um, I memorized that menu top to bottom, and it was like 40-plus items. I told her everything on that menu, uh, easy peasy. And well, lo and behold, I got the job and it was an open line kitchen. So all of the the guests that came in, they would sit at the bar and they would watch me cook all day. Okay. And I, I fell in love with it. And uh, I was known as the, the ninja chef because Ooh. I usually worked by myself. I had two of those offset spatulas, three wide grills, and I cooked on them all day long. That, that was all I did for almost two years after that. So three years total of that place. How come you didn't go with the Ninja Chef for your VTuber model? That just sounds like it'd be perfectly ready-made for VTubing right there. Um, I don't know, actually. Maybe because <laughs> I, I didn't want to associate something that was like IRL personal 
with okay. something that I wanted to present on stream. Okay, okay, um, valid. It, it's the same reason, I, if you've ever heard me talk about it uh, outside of here, of course, uh, I'm a big tank nerd. I love mm -hmm. World War II stuff, specifically tanks. And a lot of people wonder the same thing. Why didn't I do anything tank-related? Uh, and it's because it was a deeply personal thing, mm -hmm. and I wanted to put a new thing forward. I wanted to, like, develop a new chapter in my life. And, yeah, that that's pretty much why. I, I've implemented it here and there. I have a redeem sometimes that's just uh, uh, give a cooking tip. But I realized that when people asked for a cooking tip, it was like, for whatever reason, every time it was outside of my expertise and uh, it felt a little awkward. So <laughs> that's why you it need, would catch me off guard. That's why you need to make it more specific, like a little bit more general and just say random cooking tip, not just a specific cooking tip, just like random cooking tip there. And then you just be like, uh, uh, you can use the, the, the skin of a lemon to make a, a very good zest, uh, especially if you fry it up a certain way or something like that, you know? <laughs> Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I have rethought it through. I put it through like testing, and I think I can make it work Ooh. in the future. Uh, so keep an eye out for that. I guess we'll certainly <laughs> see. But now I'm genuinely curious because obviously, you know, building your way up working for such, I imagine, prestigious places that can only be described as such fantastic places as redacted and redacted. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I'm curious, did you have a particular... I guess either expertise or at least a particular like favorite dish as a culinary chef that every single time you had an opportunity to make it or the one time you remember doing it almost perfectly pristine. That is like your pride and joy as a culinary artist. Um, my bread rolls, your bread rolls, superb. Um, the, so after my first job where I was a dishwasher and learned how to cook on the line, Mm -hmm. uh, I, I moved away, I got married, and I worked at a uh, a restaurant that was way outside of my league. Right. And I had tried every single day since I moved to this new city to uh, find a job. And I just walked in on a whim. And one of the sous chefs, you know, basically, they hired me there. Uh, and immediately, because they had very, very high turnover I was instantly like head pantry chef against my will. <laughs> um, and, and with that came the responsibility of desserts, rolls, and salad prep. Okay. And uh, on a nightly basis, on a, on a very slow night, I would make 200 rolls every single day. Okay. Uh, and during like the busy weeks, so uh, it was a college town, so busy like mom's weekend or dad's weekends that you usually see, uh, I was making 800 rolls a day. Good I Lord. had two different mixes or mixers. Um, I have never rolled so many pretty little petite butt bread rolls in my life. <laughs> uh, the process is so fun. It's, it's like, it's very tedious and hard, but it's rewarding because... At the very end, once I put them on the cooling rack, I would break one off, I'd shove one in my face, and I'd be like, yeah, that's light and fluffy. And there you go. Everyone told me, every single person told me that when it was my days, the rolls were perfect, and when it was the other pantry chef's day, uh, they they weren't as good. They didn't even come close. So, <laughs> I mean, that that is a good pride and joy, especially doing it like that much. I mean, like, because I imagine with a lot of, 
higher end restaurants and whatnot, while there isn't as big of a menu as say like an Applebee's or something like that, you know, there's a wide range of stuff that's like going out, but like bread rolls is a good, like solid, just about every single time that's going out. So the fact that you could do so many of them and just about every single one of them was as close to pristine as possible. Yeah. I could see why that's your pride and joy more than anything else. <laughs> oh yeah. And you know, from those bread rolls, whatever we had that we, we couldn't sell for that night, uh, was immediately stored, and I was also responsible for turning them into like bread puddings Ooh. or turning them into croutons. Um, so I, I, it was a very like it was one of those restaurants where there was no waste. Right. Like the only waste was literally bone that had been uh, stocked out twice. Uh, definitely very cool. I, I loved the environment, but uh, uh, unfortunately, the people I worked with weren't the greatest, as you know. <laughs> Um, you, sometimes you get a really good crew, a really shitty place, uh, a really good crew that has like very little staff mm -hmm. and it's an okay place, but you're struggling every single night. Uh, so it was very hard to, to get a win at that restaurant. And I eventually moved on from there. So, <laughs> I mean, honestly, the way you described it, it's just kind of been like I've, I've had basically all of the scenarios with the warehouse experience I've had. I've had good people in shit places. I've had, you know, solid people to work with in a solid location, but there just wasn't enough and the work was just too stupid and demanding. And then I've had people that I don't want to stand being around in a place that I enjoyed working with, you know? Like mm -hmm. you know, just kind of, just kind of the variety pack of, of workplaces. We all experience at least one of that at some point in our life. Um, <laughs> but like, it's, it's interesting to, to know that this is a whole nother like artsy side of you that I didn't even really anticipate even talking about in the first place. Like I, <laughs> it, I, I, how important is it for you to have this culinary art aspect as part of your expertise? Like how important is it to have that kind of art aspect in your life? Um, I mean, I need it cause it pays the bills. I mean, um, <laughs> okay. Uh, for the obvious reason, the side. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, I mentioned it a bit earlier that it, it was hard being a pantry chef to start. I mm -hmm. will admit because I have like, I wouldn't say like big hands, but I have very slender fingers, uh, very long slender fingers. And in my experience with working with traditional art, it was very frustrating. Like I felt like I was clumsy with everything that I did and I couldn't properly um, uh, express myself any other way than with cooking. Um, and, and let me tell you, I, I put a lot of effort research. I practiced at home all the time. I made sure to stay late after work. And like, even if it was frustrating and it, it led to a bit of burnout towards the end of my, like my passionate, like trying to get every single high quality job that I could career, mm -hmm. um, I wouldn't trade that for the world. Like it means so much to make a meal that somebody could look at me afterwards and say, you know, this reminded me of what my mom used to make, or this just brought me home, you know, for a little bit. I feel warm on the inside. Uh, and then sometimes the, they'll tell me, oh, that stinks, because I work for a uh, an old folks home now. And, uh, okay. <laughs> uh, but I, I always love it with, like, I love old people when you, like, every single day they complain about something, and then you get that one good day, and they're like, 
but this is all right. And <laughs> that's my win. That's how I knew I win. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, we got to take our small victories one way or another. All right? <laughs> yes. I'm very patient. If you couldn't yeah. tell. Um, and, and, well, I mean, also, like you said, something's got to pay the bills, okay? <laughs> this is true. But, uh, I like, my first job I worked for, Open Kitchen again, um, I, we, we had a lot of regulars that came through, and every single regular had a special, specific chef that they wanted to be cooking on that day. Okay. And I was the only person who was able to cook everybody's specialty meals exactly the way they wanted um, and one of our toughest customers, uh, if you broke a, uh, I, I don't know if you know how hard it is to make poached eggs in a restaurant, uh, I imagine extremely so. difficult. Yeah, it's not, it's not exactly, I mean, yet the, there's a reason why it's, yeah, especially in a kitchen, especially in a restaurant like that, not exactly the easiest thing to do. Yep. Uh, she wanted almost nearly dry poached eggs, just under medium. And if at any point it broke even if it like if you set it on the table and it broke she wanted a new set mm -hmm. uh one of my pickiest customers i've ever had and every single time i served her uh she would always be like well are, are you gonna be serving me today i said well you gotta wait for your server and i was always sassy back and she gave me a smile and <laughs> we, we liked each other. Uh, everyone else who was a cook there didn't understand why she liked me. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's like something that I've used throughout my career. I, I don't know if you've had this experience where if you, you work in a position, so let's say you're a dishwasher mm -hmm. and a lot of other people will move out of that position and they're like, well, my life sucked, so I'm going to make it harder on the dishwasher now. Mm. Um, I don't get that. I, I have a hard time comprehending why somebody would do that. Um, and all of my dishwashers that I've ever had ever uh, love me because I'm at least courteous, courteous enough to like talk with them, be kind, let the, them know the thought process, I'll run dishes for them. Um, I don't really see that at a lot of places. Right. Uh, I, I'm usually the uh, what they would call the problem child in new restaurants. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, because I know I certainly am at least courteous on the other side of the spectrum when it comes to like as a customer, you know, going to restaurants and stuff like that. It's like, look, I get it. You're dealing with a lot of stuff. I don't want to make it, you know, any harder on you. Like, yeah, there's a little bit of a mistake, but you know what? I'm still going to eat it. It's not going to be an issue, a major issue for me more than anything else. It's still going to taste good. Cause I know you guys put time and effort into that, but I mean, like it's that, it's that kind of the courtesy thing. Like there are some people, especially in the workplace that, don't exactly remember where they came from. You know, they, they kind of just, they're mm -hmm. always thinking about the next step. They're always moving forward. And you know what? That's fine for them in their career aspect, but you know, you kind of have to remember how you got to that point. And that's what a lot of people just don't tend to have in mind sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a, it's a tough world, especially in cooking because I mean, I don't blame a lot of people. It's usually a walk in and walk out job. The mm -hmm. second that you're off shift, you're out of there. And when you're a cook, it's even worse because when your day starts, the first thing that you do is get ready to leave. Right. Uh, that is, that's typically how it is. You need to get out of there. Otherwise you get stuck and you don't want, you aren't able to leave because the manager expects more of you. Um, a very expectant job actually. Um, which funnily enough, 
uh, before I had my unfortunate separation, I was going to go to college and I wanted to get my master's or even a doctorate in the culinary arts. Okay. Because I wanted to write about and uh, explore the concept of uh, being a manager in a restaurant and how, you know, like the classic Gordon Ramsay chef that yells at you. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it's, it's proven, it's 100% proven that just being there as a manager is enough to get your crew through anything. Um, in, in terms of a kitchen, your brigade, your whole team, if you're there with them as, as much as you can, and it sucks because you're a manager and you have all that paperwork and you're doing a bunch of stuff at the same time, right. uh, but that extra effort goes a very long way. And I wanted to prove, or at least write some form of thesis that uh, showed that so that we could have fair breaks for everybody or at least, you know, that's the, the theory. It probably won't happen because capitalism. But, yeah, uh, capitalism. It, it, it was a big drive for me. I wanted to give that a shot. And, well, I, it's still in the back of my mind. Probably won't go back to college for that. Uh, but, you know, that that's, I have that under my belt. So. Yeah, yeah. You certainly get, you have that interesting IRL artistry under your belt. And yet, throughout all of this, especially after a major life change and stuff like that, you were able to find a way to incorporate this incredible other life to where you are a wonderful content creator, especially a VTuber. Now, I hate to break the immersion for people for just a second or two, but I am talking to a Poison Dart Frog VTuber, uh, you know, virtual model. So I, I'm genuinely curious, what got you interested in even the concept of VTubing? Was it, was it just simply like getting the view nanners and seeing what they were doing? It was that, and at, the, at a very similar time, it hit me like I had done zero transitionary stuff aside from changing my name and um, being referred to by she, her, mm-hmm. and you know trying out more girly things. And it hit me that I could live this dream. I could you know get an idea for how it would feel. Uh, just by being a cute internet anime girl, <laughs> and that's that's kind of where the the process started. Okay, I am a little bit different than most people because a lot of people have like their Oshi, um, but with my previous experiment or experiments experience working with YouTube and having my my content creators that I I loved, I realized that in order to do content my own way. I have to stop watching the people that I like to watch um, because I am a very like easily influenced. It's hard for me to kind of separate my ideas from other people's ideas. Right. And it needed to be my own. And so I let the journey be whatever came out of my head. uh, That that's basically the start. I was the definition of a V tweeter Um, before I even streamed. I had 20,000 posts on Twitter. <laughs> uh, it was it was wild. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, we all got to start somewhere more than anything else. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I mean, like you said, I mean, I now just out of curiosity, I know you're saying V-Tweeter. How much of that was like your previous like experience when it comes to content creation? Like you said, you had twenty thousand tweets or whatnot, but like let's be honest with ourselves. Like, was the the Iris that you portray yourself today was it always Iris, or were you was it like your previous content creator account before you tra- before you transitioned into Iris? Like, 
It was a brand new account. Oh, I, brand spanking new. Yeah. Okay. I decided that like immediately that it needed to be separate. I didn't want to tie the both of them together. Okay. Again, not out of embarrassment, but you know, clean slate. I'm a yeah. clean slate person. So that account had like 300 followers. Uh, it had like a fraction of the tweets. Admittedly, I didn't, oh, my body's doing that thing now where like, oh, now it doesn't want to cooperate. Um, excuse me. It, it wasn't even close to what I had done with this account. Mm-hmm. And before I even started streaming, a little bit less than two months into it. Um, so, oh God, how do I, how do I time frame this? My, I created the account on December 24th and by February I had nearly 10,000 followers. Oh, damn. Oh. Um, purely. I'm, I, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Look, Iris, I'll be blunt yes. with you. I, I'm lucky if I get 10,000 views on a video. In two months, you got 10,000 followers? What? Yes. Um, I did a bunch of things that nowadays a lot of YouTubers see as, uh, you know, uh, kind of taboo. Mm. Um, I, I did the, and I want to, I, I need to preface this. This is super important okay. because I will not do things without a clear intent behind them. Uh, so a lot of people, they will do the follow bait posts because okay. it's easy, you know, like I'll follow for follow or I'll do this and you do that. Um, but a lot of the things that I do almost like 99%, I do it with good intentions. Okay. So I was chronically online on Twitter every single day, uh, posting eight to, well, 20 times per day in replies, if you include those. And I did everything in my power to get like a thousand followers per month. And uh, keep in mind, you know, before the the good old Mr. Musket, Mm -hmm. uh, it was a lot easier, I would say. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I, I have seen the rise and fall of VTuber eras uh, alone just because of what I've done. And, uh, you know, looking back, I, I wouldn't be able to do it, not even close to half of what I did to start. Because um, right. some of that stuff annoys me even now. Like, w- within like a two-year gap, I'm already annoyed by people who, um, they post memes, but they don't credit where the meme comes from. Right. Um, I hate that. I, I've always had a like a sour spot in my my mouth, the back of my throat, like looking at that type of thing, like, ugh, that's kind of gross. And funnily funnily enough, the one time that I made a meme, while I didn't make it, I I found it. I I forgot to credit the artist. Mm. Boom, blew up instantly. And that made me feel so bad. (laughs) It's like, like, Uh, I got what I wanted, but at what cost? What was the the point? (laughs) Why are we still here? Just to suffer. <laughs> um, but yeah, I. Uh, the, you can ask a lot of my like first acquaintances and friends. Uh, Bandit being one of them, he was mm-hmm. the first VTuber that I ever really made close friends with, and still am to this day. Um, he was a person who like was very excited whenever I came in chat to be like, oh, Irisu, th- I know this person. Th- she has 2,000 <laughs> followers, 3,000, 4,000, 5,000, all the way up till 10K, um, at which point I, I plateaued and I, I eventually sat at where I wanted to be, like my my real number. Um, 
Like, at the bare minimum, like the highest that I like to see is 70 likes. That's all I need to be there happy. There you go. Um, which is very disproportionate for the amount of followers I have. And I admit that. Um, but with that, I've learned that uh, the, the Twitter race doesn't have to be a sprint. Right. It's got to be a marathon. Exactly. You got to you gotta take your time with it. Otherwise, you get a bunch of knit numbers and not a lot of names. And uh, I'm fortunate. Uh, a lot of people like me. I hope. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully. I know a lot of people who dislike me. Uh, you know, it's just the price of uh, both fame and position and I guess to a certain extent politics. Yeah. Um, because VTubers are also very political. Surprisingly, uh, and, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you wouldn't think it, but it, it really roams the space. Mm-hmm. And... Um, trying to both be influential and also stay away from that stuff has really like slowed my, my pace, but I'm okay. That's perfectly fine with me. So, (laughs) yeah, I mean that, that, yeah, that's fair. That's valid. But I mean, like, you know, I I did want to at least touch upon something they kind of mentioned real quickly. You, you had said Mm -hmm. that, you know, you'd be happy with just like 70 likes. And you said that that's kind of disproportionate when it comes to like how many followers you have compared to how many likes and how many interactions, like, I personally have to to deal with that on my own end as well when it comes to like, you know, tweets or videos and stuff. I mean, like, I feel like some of the stuff that you're talking about is just kind of a carryover, kind of the YouTuber mentality when it comes to like how stuff is is presented and such. Like, you were talking about only getting like 70 likes and you'd be happy with that. I'm thinking to like YouTubers, like some of the big name YouTubers out there that's got like millions of views, but you look at some of their like most recent videos and, you know, they'd be lucky to get like a good couple thousand people watching a video. You know, 10, (laughs) like lucky to get, you know, 10,000, 25,000, 50,000, 100,000 views or whatnot. Like, it's just kind of like the way that the internet works is like, you know, yeah, the subscribers are definitely a big number. It lets you know that people are aware of you, but like the active users that you have is a totally different game and something that at least for it, me personally, content creators should cherish and, you know, anytime they have like a person that's always constantly reacting to their stuff. Oh yes. If uh, it's not the same for everybody, it really depends on what you want to do when you create content and you're doing streaming of any variety or video creation of any variety, uh, if you want to just put out something because you wanted to and you don't really care who sees it and it's a benefit, like it's a plus, the cherry on top to see something nice, then yeah, do it. I I think that's one of the best ways to start. But if you are someone who wants to do it a little bit more professionally, you put a a lot of time, blood, sweat, and tears into it, um the biggest driving force for you to keep going is seeing interaction mm-hmm. uh, more so driving a discussion because there's yes. it's one thing to have people come and chat and say hey your model's pretty or you know the, the, you're so cute and then that's the only thing they say i love the conversations even if they're wacky uh and they they are weird and they might drive somebody else away i like conversations that drive a discussion that lasts longer than five minutes. That's like, that's all I need to be happy. (laughs) I mean, Hey, we kind of already had that with like the culinary arts discussion alone. Like who would have thought going into this, you were going to talk about that of all things when it came to this. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You you don't know until you start talking. And like a lot of people think that the feels bad is like, I don't have enough chatters. Uh, The feels bad is when you don't have a, a people who want to talk to you. Right. Um, 
you, you, there is a difference between, like I said, coming in and saying one word, saying hi, dropping a lurk if you're a streamer, and another when you can bring up a topic that really hooks people in. Yes, and, um, and makes that, them want to interact with you. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, that's why I, I started doing the talk show host thing, because uh, right. I found, found a lot of value out of grilling people as it were, interrogating them. <laughs> um, but being in a one-on-one -on -one space where I can also drive discussion and when like when something comes up, a lot of people are like, they're worried. They're like, oh, I'm so sorry. I, I talked way too long about that. But I'm like, no, keep talking. I, I can disregard all of the questions if I need to. Yes. Uh, <laughs> my questions don't matter. If we're going to talk about um, whatever it is that you do, like uh, uh, a lot of the people that I bring back on for like another run, we had that discussion during stream that I cut short to make sure that we like hit time but um, ID10, for example, we talked a lot about being genuine on stream the, the, for his interview. And that took up the entire interview. And when I cut him short, I'm like, okay, something needs to be done. And that's, he's <laughs> like the first, the first guinea pig I had to drive that discussion, to bring somebody back so that we can continue what we wanted to do with the intent of doing it more and more and more until we finally uh, completely dry up the well, which is very hard in, uh, in nowadays. So, yeah. <laughs> and meanwhile, in other, in other occasions, you just find your way to infiltrate and make your way to other people's shows so that you can talk your head off about certain other things. So anyways, back to the podcast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. No, 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 honestly, Hey, going back to your original point, you're good. I appreciate you. <laughs> You and I have the, uh, that's the one thing that I appreciate about like our discussion. And again, I'll definitely talk about your podcast in a little bit. Uh, Cause I definitely want to talk a good bit about the experience you've had with that. But like, we have this kind of mentality of like, yeah, we may have like a roadmap or we may have some questions set up to where like, we have some stuff we could talk about, but like if the guest is going off and they have like a certain direction that they're going, you're not the driver, you're the passenger, you're going along for the ride. You just may have a map to make sure that they don't, you know, crash into the grand canyon halfway through you know mm -hmm. yeah the you are like the mediator mm -hmm. uh and, and it's all, only at that point is it your goal to if they like start to sputter you either decide am i going to continue this conversation have i am i confident that we've talked enough about it or can i drive one more little thing outside of them um <laughs> sometimes I have people who will not let me get a single word in. And uh, I, I, this is like a little, like, I love them. Don't get me wrong. I, need, oh, yeah. I will preface it. I love people who do this. But uh, sometimes I'll do like, uh, hold on, I have to think because I'm reversed in Discord. They'll be talking and I'll zoom in on them. Oh, no, did it not work? It worked for like a second. It flashed. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we, we won't worry about that then. But I, I'll zoom in on them and then I won't come back to me. Because I'm like stretching, I'm like relaxing my face. <laughs> I'm like I'm like doing this. I'm like, oh, thank you, thank you so much for talking. I I, I, take, I, I take a big old swig, so it's like like that, and um, where I, I play with my cat for a little bit, and then I can come back and I'm like, hee hee, no one ever do. <laughs> so that's one of the downsides when it comes to how I do this podcast, because I just had my webcam this entire time, and so like if I need to take like a quick stretch. 
everyone's gonna see it everyone's gonna hear it <laughs> oh yeah oh oh those muscles <laughs> uh thank you my girlfriend loves them <laughs> <laughs> anyways um <laughs> but you know it, it's it's certainly great how you've been able to to portray yourself, especially going down this VTuber route, especially with how unique of a model, or at least unique of a basis you have, being the poison dart frog. Now, why of all things was that more or less the foundation? Why did you go with the poison dart frog as kind of the foundation for your VTuber self? This always makes me laugh. Uh, you know, that, that foundational cringe. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually like... Part of the reason why I got my name, like the name I decided to go with uh, IRL and okay. for my streaming name, um, I play a lot of Arknights. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Arknights. Mobile game, gotcha, uh, Tower Defense. Okay. Uh, prob- probably my favorite, one of my favorite mobile games of all time. And they have a character in there. She's the only character in the game because they're like, they're like half anthropomorphic animal. Uh, she is the only poison dart frog character in the entire game. And when the concept of VTubing came up and I was trying to decide very classically what I would want to be, very early on I wanted to be, well, this poison dart frog. I wanted to be like her sister or her friend or another member of her species okay. and work that into my lore. Uh, I didn't go down that route, but it was always there as like the overarching beginning, the 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 main theme. Um mm-hmm. So her name was Blue Poison. She's a blue poison dart frog. Okay. And I was like, uh, what color should I do? Because I don't really want to do blue. Uh, <laughs> my friend was like, hey, I, I, I'm pretty sure there's purple poison dart frogs. Purple's a cool color. Um, technically, yes, there are purple poison dart frogs, but that's a, a technicality. And I'll explain that in just a moment. Okay. Um, but that's where the design came in, the, the idea. And... Uh, hold on, I might be able to actually pull this up in the OBS software. Ooh. I will go find an image of this, of my first design that I ever did. Your first design? Um, oh, ladies and gentlemen, this is going to be interesting. <laughs> this is going to be spicy. <laughs> um, so this was my first design made by Creo Grips. Let me know if this shows up properly. Oh, okay, um, I see it. Yep, yep, it's right yeah. there. I had no stake in this design whatsoever okay i i told them i want to be this tall i want to have these colors i want to have a hoodie and a skirt but other than that this is what i'm going with and they did phenomenally i still look back in this design um their art has improved since then which is extra cool because i think this looks great it does it looks Um, really wonderful yeah this this was the baseline for Mm -hmm. the character that i went with and when I went live streaming, I actually didn't use this one. Um, I actually won a competition, and I won a chibi, uh, a little version of myself. Oh, look at that! And I used her on stream. So this is where I got my start. Okay. Um, and, you know, the, the design elements are all there. Uh, I'm very different from what I, what I look like in these images but uh, that, that's also part of my creative process, which I'm sure you'll ask me a little bit about. But uh, mm-hmm. you're reading <laughs> that, my mind just a little origin. bit. <laughs> <laughs> that's 
that's my origin story. <laughs> no, that's great. That's cool to know. That that's obviously like the foundation for it. I mean, like, especially seeing like how you first started to present yourself with this cool little model and then eventually getting into the, the, the third dimension as well with, with, with the V-Roid models, which I'm genuinely curious. Mm-hmm. How, did, how did you, how were you able to finally take that leap into from just PNG tubing to like the, the actual V tubing with the, the V-Roid model? Who was the one that kind of led you in that direction? Uh, so you've interviewed them before. Mm-hmm. It was uh, Pinch Raccoon uh, at Pinch Raccoon, aka my partner now. Hey. Um, but at the time, I had expressed I, I was going through it. I tend to have ups and downs in terms of my creative process, and I was very frustrated that I couldn't move. It was taking a very long time for me to get a live two D uh, to the point where I could afford it, mm-hmm. and. Pinch offered, because they made their model, uh, they offered to help make, well, the the previous rendition of this character, which I'm going to, you don't see any of this happening on screen right now. This this ain't happening. Um, But my my new design, uh, a.k.a. Neo, uh, was what became of what Pinch made for me. So I'm going to I'm going to be blipping into existence here. Just a moment. It's gonna take its time. <laughs> there we go. There we go. I the crown. You saw the crown. Uh, the, <laughs> yeah. Crown, crown aside, I can't remove that at the moment. But um, this is like the the classic model that a lot of people know me for. Yes. Um, that I started Poison Points with and kicked up an uh, kicked off a new character art arc with Words Are Hard. Mm. Um, Words are wonderful, <laughs> aren't they? One hundred percent. Um. And this character is a character born uh, purely from depression. And I'm not kidding you. I had no way. I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I had always been interested in a a VTuber that allows their emotions to, like, write the story and develop the character. Mm -hmm. So what that looks like, or it looked like at the time, was I went completely AWOL from Twitter I went completely AWOL from streaming, and I came back with this. Um, and on the in-between, I created tons and tons and tons of content that um, actually, like, a lot of people in my group and many people on Twitter were following, like, an ARG. Um, and that level of storytelling was what I knew I wanted to do as a content creator. Right. So uh, if if the first part of my journey, that that silly little dart frog with the hoodie... Uh, is like my my gaming phase where I'm like, yeah, I'm just gonna turn on a game and play it. Uh, this was the niche, uh, the 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 fabled niche that they tell you to find when creating content. So, well, I mean, I'm gl- <laughs> I mean, I'm glad you're kind of leading more along that that path, especially showcasing the original, you know, I guess Neo uh, uh, model for this point or whatnot, which like leads me to this kind of question like what exactly like you you said that during that little period you went AWOL it kind of clicked that of how you wanted to tell like you actually wanted to tell a story so Mm -hmm. what exactly is more or less like the the storytelling process for you how are you what is kind of the vision you have in mind and what steps are you taking towards to kind of make that a reality um I wanted, so I, I don't see this a lot. The, the The reason why I wanted to do it was because I see a lot of people, they they stick out a lore document 
and then they never act like the lore on the stream. Right. And I I wanted to bridge that gap of character role play and uh, a little bit of myself in between. Uh, hence the the whole concept of this character who has the the sharp nails, a lot of like symbolism on the model and everything um, that shows up out of nowhere and interrupts you know the original Irisu's debut stream. And I gotta tell you when I did it, <laughs> I scared everybody was freaking out. They were like, oh my God, what is happening right now? And it was a big success for me, um, which is, you know, how I wanted to tell content or show content. I came across this quote, uh, forgive me, I don't want to spend too much time looking on uh, who who said this quote, but this is actually an artistic quote. Um, the The quote is, art should be made to disturb the comfortable and comfort the disturbed. Ooh. And that is my that is my motto. I want people to look at my content with its real reality, a little bit of reality in it, a little bit of me, and how I feel sometimes when I look at a situation online or with content and I feel like I'm going insane. I want people to look at my art and feel content knowing that they're not the only one that feels that way that specific way. And on the flip side, everybody who is like comfortable, they're okay, they're a little uneasy because I feel like uneasiness drives thinking um and discussion. And that's always that that's like if I had like a uh a job description, if that was like by the thing that was plastered in my wallet or on the wall of my apartment or studio, that is my mission statement uh for content creation. So <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's honestly a good mentality to have more than anything else. And especially with how you've been able to like tell this story so far, you've done a fantastic job with it. If I do say so myself, like the, 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 the little ways you've been able to, to almost toy with everyone's like perception of what they're seeing, what exactly is going on, the way you're able to present like certain characters in certain situations. I mean, obviously, you know, the, the, the Neo that I'm seeing right now or whatnot, a fantastic design, both with this one and the updated outfit for, you know, season two of poison points more than anything else. I mm -hmm. gotta say, personal favorite details the nails i just love like the little different color nails like that that's just it, i instantly see that and i love it like i don't know if it's just like you know the visual of it that just instantly has me glued to that whenever especially whenever you do that little thing or whatnot it's just it's 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 it's, it's an aesthetic it is a vibe when when i cut my hands together like this like i'm doing the pondering they they really slot really yes. nicely in between um so fun fact about these these were a mistake oh, really? uh, because the program itself is very finicky when you're making a V-Roid. I was supposed to have rounded fingers like Crow Gunk. Like these, these little snubs here were supposed to be Crow Gunk inspired oh. um, with like the poison jab. But then Pinch brought up the program and we were looking at it together and we made it to the hands because they were showing me the hands and they were like, oh, this isn't right. Why are these clawed? And I, I instantly fell in love. I was like, no, we're keeping it. We're doing this. <laughs> um, because as this model developed, so did my vision for this character right. develop. Um, because I, I, there's so much lore to explain. I, I will not go through all of it because it is it is a lot. But the idea be behind Neo is with the name is she's the new me. 
Okay. Her name is Iris Neo. She is a new version of me that I wanted to go with. Mm-hmm. And uh, because of that, the fundamentals of her character is she's very shrewd, judgmental, and she, a lot of her words are sharp, and she's the one that will backstab you. So when she's giving you the hug from behind, she's digging her nails in. That's one of my emotes, is the the digging into the heart, and it's bleeding. Mm. Um and that is what that represents. Okay. Uh, it, it, the the idea is a little bit dated because I I was learning a lot. The Freudian model is definitely not the most accurate, uh, but this character is based off of the idea of the superego, the Freudian superego. So that's fair. I mean, that's valid. Mm-hmm. I mean, th- that also leads to like another like just quick little thing that I was that I wanted to touch upon. Like, I think another interesting element about it is like the way that you're telling this story. You're doing it with Twitch, which is not usually like a way that a lot of people will like tell the story. Like they'll do like a lore drop, maybe like they'll maybe dedicate like a specific stream for it. Or, like, maybe they'll have, like, a separate YouTube channel to where they drop that kind of stuff. But, like, do you, how, like, do you think, like, the live streaming aspect of it helps with the storytelling immensely more? Yes and no. Okay. Uh, for whatever reason, a lot of the streams that I do, like, what I when I do my lore stream, they're never announced. Like, they, nobody really knows about it except for the friends in my group. Mm-hmm. Um but for some reason, people I've never seen before or, like, chatted once will show up for those streams. <laughs> and it, it was really weird. Um, so when I do, like, the big preparation, I've prepared all of the timing and everything that I need, the video, and I put it all out without any breaks, without any, like, okay, we need to pause for a second. Um, and seeing their reactions is, like, one, rewarding. But also, holy shit, that was exhausting. Yeah. I, I, can o- I can only keep it up for like a maximum of like 20 minutes. That's the longest that I was, I've ever been able to go for a stream of that caliber. Um, because I don't want to sit around and dawdle. I don't want to have the stream finish. And then I'm like, hey, everybody, do you like it? Do you enjoy it? Because uh, it's supposed to be scary. Right. And I don't want to break that immersion. And... Uh, like the first time I did it, like the big major time I did it, I went offline and I had only intended to stay offline. I kid you not, like 10, 15, 20 minutes after stream ended, chat was still theory crafting and they were still talking and they thought I would come back and they thought I would continue. And I eventually uh, broke immersion and I read it out because uh, I felt so bad. That they, were just, <laughs> they were just sitting there. <laughs> But it was fun. It was like, oh my god, this is so cool. I, I I was able to drive a discussion far after I stopped showing up on screen. So yeah, I'm gonna do that from now on. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a good commitment to the bit. Like the 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 one stream that I'm thinking about when you're talking with that. I don't know if this is the one you're talking about, but the time where you interviewed yourself, basically, yes, that was yes. the way you executed that. Especially the little bit at the end, like you, that was a flawless bit of storytelling right there. To like let the first little bit be kind of like just a, a, an awkwardly done poison points. Until you get to like the real storytelling, the real like meat and bones of what you're trying to to convey with that. Like it's just chef's kiss, if I do say so myself. Oh, yes. The amount of things that went well with that stream, uh, I don't know how I did it. Because one, I'm 
you know, portraying a character and then portraying yourself is very difficult to do, to swap on the fly. And I had to do that. Mm -hmm. That was the, the main point of the stream was I, I talked to myself for like 20-ish minutes and I was just myself. And then at some point I had to decide, well, I got to end this bit and start the main thing. Yep. And I was very nervous the entire time. It, I imagine. It, sh it shone through. Uh, I When I listened to it back, I was quivering. Uh, you could like tell that I was very, very not ready for it. And then I, I kept talking and I was better. Um, so the second the camera went off, the not the camera, the microphone went off, I was like, oh, God. <laughs> I mean, that's that's very valid. I mean, especially with with this cool, cool Neo that you presented or whatnot. But also another character that you've really introduced lately, and that is the the if I do say so, lovely Lutrium. Now, uh, one would say the titular uh, Lutrium, <laughs> which like why how I, I guess why why did you feel like you wanted to present this character what was exactly the genesis of bringing forth this character to the masses um it's there's like a lot that went into it because if neo is like the culmination of all of my uh, anxieties and depression, which is, you know, the basis of the ARG and how I started it with her. Mm -hmm. um, but that's all she was, right? That's all that she ever was. And it was always hard to funnel anxiety and depression when you aren't feeling it that day and you're feeling good with yourself. And the Freudian model came back into question if if she was super ego and, you know, Iris is the id, as far as the story goes, then I kind of wanted to toy with the third character. The the primal, uh, or, sorry, the, the id is, is me. Uh, the ego is, is normal, Iris. Uh, I wanted to toy with the id. Um, the primal, carnal desires. And I was curious how I could even work with that in a setting such as this on Twitch with a personality that I actually don't have. I'm or at least not naturally. I'm not uh, very outgoing and, as they would say, kinky uh, mm. verbally at the bare minimum. But what I wanted was a foil to the entire cast of characters that was different from everybody else who had her own motives and could also present a new uh, creative like funnel for another side of content that I wanted to explore, which, uh, funnily enough, you know, Poison Points originally had a bit. I always had one bit during stream that revolved around the guest, and it eventually became too tiring and a little <laughs> bit feels bad if I went to do a bit and they didn't enjoy it. Um, so I scrapped the idea. But the one of the bit ideas was... After we took a break, we would come back in and we would play a game. We would do a game show. And uh, here's a little spoiler for you, uh, everybody at home. Uh, this this character is designed to be a game show host. I'll drop a little bit of uh, a teaser. Okay. Uh, because as a um, a force of carnal desire... Uh, anything that is fun is what Lutrium wants to do. 
and chaos and game shows and gambling uh, and all of those other things uh, are what she finds enjoyable. Um, because, on a, again, on a very basic level, again, I don't subscribe to this, but I am still inspired with the concept of the id. The id comes first in the Freudian development process, then the ego, then the superego. So she's the she's the first. She's like the 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 progenitor of Iris as a character. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, <laughs> that's why I have the crown the way I do. That's why I have the face paint. Um, she looks a little strange. Uh, actually, her arms are longer. She's a little disproportionate. Okay. Um, zoom out here. She's a little tall. Uh, she's got the flowy dress and all of that stuff because she is meant to be like a comic book character. Okay. Uh, okay. Not, a, not, not a comic book, a coloring book character. Okay. Um, she's supposed to be um, fantastical, the ideal idea of what a child would think is a person uh, and, and the way that they draw them. So. Okay. It's, it, uh, it, it's almost <laughs> like some of the, like, especially with, with, Lutrium and with Neo, it's almost just like two different like layers of hell being presented in kind of like the 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 most appealing way possible in one way or another. At least with Lutrium, yes. it is. Yeah, definitely. Um, again, you know, Freudian model. Uh, the idea with I, I'm getting my names mixed up with Neo is that because she's super ego, uh, she's like the shrewd judge, you know. Uh, she's the one telling the ego that she shouldn't do that, and she shouldn't do this. This is bad. This isn't morally correct. And Lutrium is the other end. Like, hey, let's do this. This is fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, you like that, right? That makes you feel good. Uh, which is why I leaned more heavily into the bar aspect. Oh my boob. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and the and the boobs. Yeah, and the boobs. The boobs. Were, <laughs> they they were a must on the model. One hundred percent. Well, either way, the, the the bar is certainly one thing, and obviously you know, the 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 uh, very uh, how should I word this assets that you truly want to project to really uh, lure people into this almost like false sense of security in one way or another. Um, it's <laughs> I mean, oh, you mean you mean like my eyes? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> the 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 eyes. Hi, hello. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, it's it's incredible, like I said, the way you've been able to, like, project these characters and really present them on stream or whatnot. But it also leads me to, a, you know, another question. Like, obviously, you've invested a lot when it comes to showcasing Lutrium and all this stuff. And, like, Neo's obviously been a major part. But um, throughout all the storytelling and stuff, there's one question I have to have. Where is Iris? I knew that this question would come. <laughs> Where is she? We, we, we need to know that she's safe. Where is Iris? So... I think I have it out there somewhere. I have a video. Uh, I'll, I'll break the fourth wall a little bit. I won't okay. be fully in character. I have this video where it's actually the interview with myself mm-hmm. where when we cut away and we fade to black, um, it is Neo talking to what we can presume is Iris. Right. And Iris is in a p- situation where it seems like she can't leave. And she says, what are you so afraid of? And Neo is perturbed by this, very angry, uh, hits Iris, which is like a uh, supposed to represent like that. This is, you're not supposed to do that right. type of character. So she leaves. 
you hear the episode of Poison Points start. Uh, funnily enough, cameo. Uh, it was a, a, a real Poison Points with Barrel. Okay. Uh, that I did. And uh, it lined up perfectly. I don't know how I managed to get it so good without <laughs> recording the segment myself. Uh, but, but a character walks in. The door opens again. Uh, it's me. I, I'm the one who comes in. Oh. Um, and I give a jump scare. And that's that's like my first ever appearance ever, or Lulu's first appearance. Mm-hmm. Um, so Lulu made a promise. She said she would take care of Iris better. Uh, and that is yet to be seen. We have not seen an inkling of her, but she is still around. So Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, just, just know that, uh, Iris, if you're out there and you can hear this, we're looking for you. We're here for you, okay? <laughs> I mean, the, the really deep meta lore, which has been revealed at this point, is that all of this, uh, all of this around me, myself, Neo, the Poison Point Suite, which is all the way up there. Say hi to Daphne. Hey. Um, all of that, all of this is happening within Iris's mind, like Ooh. a real Iris's brain. Um, she's trapped in the headspace. She okay. can't get out. Something has caused a comatose. And outside of here, there are scientists, which who uh, I've bent to my will because mm-hmm. I, I got that little power. And, uh, you know, we're, I'm still developing the story. Like, I, I'm, I won't share everything, of course, the spoilers. Um, but when time permits, it will uh, it'll eventually develop, I promise. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, if that's the case, then I'll just say, Iris, wake up. Iris, wake up. We're here for you. Wake up, Iris. Wake up. Wake up. I'll make sure that the messages are duly sent. <laughs> if nothing else, you could use that little audio clip for, for future lore stuff. I, I figured it'd help you. <laughs> yes, I'll, I'll remember this. <laughs> Lulu will remember this. Uh, <laughs> And obviously, one of the big things you've been able to present with this cool little storytelling stuff in between that we've obviously touched upon in many different times through this conversation is this incredible podcast you host as well called Poison Points. Now, Mm -hmm. was there always a plan for you to have this kind of talk show podcast thing? When did that sort of become into your... When did you decide that that that's something you wanted to include with your content? And how exactly did the concept of Poison Points come to be? Um... To delve into the the nature of the beast, you must first understand what the beast is like. Okay. And the beast, being me, is somebody who likes to look at things. And if I don't like it, I want to do it for myself, but better. And I've always seen this concept of VTuber lore, and I've mentioned this a little bit, that I feel like is just not touched upon. It's never a major part of the character. Mm-hmm. And... I also saw a lot of people doing talk show streams. So Takahata's Weary 101, right. um, Alara's Tea Time. And that's that's like a podcast. That's a, that's a typical, like, hey, we're just talking. Whatever happens, happens. I wanted a structured interview where I both got to learn about the person behind the model, much like you're doing right now, and also have a, a little bit of that time dedicated to role play. Um, as cringe as it may come, I fully accepted that it could be awkward, uh, right. but it was ultimately a lot of fun. And um, I like the reason why I kept doing it and why I wanted to do it, where it came from 
uh, is that depression arc where I just have a thirst for knowledge. I'm I'm very knowledge hungry, and uh, it helps me like cope with a lot of things because I get to think more and more. Uh, maybe you need a therapist. Oh well, but uh... <laughs> I mean, what VTuber doesn't need a therapist? Anyways, go on. Um... Uh, but I I wanted to like what a lot of people have had I, I've had on the stream and the podcast. I wanted to um, get something that I thought was underrepresented, mm-hmm. uh, more spotlight, the lore specifically. Okay, because uh, it's creative. It, you're you're telling a story, and thusly, naturally that is a part of you that is presented and i wanted to tap into that and some people it's difficult admittedly it's hard for them to already come onto a show and talk about themselves especially with like low personal self-esteem uh but other people uh even people i wasn't expecting we've had full-on bouts in character that like it floored me by the end of it we were like we were fighting in character, and that was cool. It was like a and d <laughs> session, but but improv on the fly completely with little to no planning. Right. Um, and, yeah, that that is, like, where my love is, why I keep doing it, why I, I actually have to, like, cut myself a little short because I want to do it a little too often. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, like, the, the way you've been able to present Poison Points and, like, you know, really going in on, you know, uh, like the the guests that you've been able to bring on and like their lures and such it's really one of the most intriguing things like you know you were talking about is something that's underrepresented uh, underrepresented that you wanted to showcase a little bit more I mean that's the same reason why I do this podcast a lot of these artists most of them that you know not a lot of people may have heard about like they may have seen some of their art but they don't really understand like the artists behind them like I wanted to give them more or less that platform and let them talk about themselves let them showcase the stuff that they they are doing incredible stuff with and like let them showcase just how proud they are of what they are doing similar to like kind of what you're doing like a lot of these a lot of the VTubers that you bring on and most of the guests you bring on they're really proud of the time and effort they put into this stuff and they want an opportunity to really talk about it but for some of them they might not know how you're providing a good outlet for them to really showcase that stuff to the fullest yeah you have just reminded me where like the first inkling of that idea came from and it is the concept of people like to talk about themselves Mm -hmm. and at the time when i was first coming up with this idea uh I'm not sure if you were there for the era or even like were a witness to it. Uh, we had both VTuber supporters blowing up, and uh, my personal group that was that I was a, par- a part of, the VCare, okay. uh, which was just four large-ish content creators uh, comprised of me, Mummy Mortem, Moai of Knowledge, and Virtua Valentine, uh, and our whole goal was to just retweet people and okay. talk to people and get into spaces and not be the center of attention. We wanted to help other people as best we can. So the intentions were pure, though evolved, and it, uh, that's another story for another yeah, day. That, that, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but from that spawned the idea, like, I had, like, people daily, even though I said I was not doing the the tag me to retweet your stuff anymore, mm-hmm. I still had people daily uh, wanting me to do that. And because they didn't check in on me. And that's when I like was really cynical and I was like, well, it is human nature to talk about yourself. So I'm just gonna make a podcast about that. There you and go. make turn my negative energy into something positive and 
oh yeah, it, it definitely was a big help for my my negative outlook on life. So, <laughs> who knew that podcasts would be helpful for mental capacities without needing to go to therapy? I mean, I recommend if you do go, th- if you need it, definitely at least look to get into therapy. There are definitely outlets for you out there. But oh, yes. also, <laughs> no, nah, that's a bit. No, it's it's incredible to know that like it has been both not only a positive outlet for the guests you've been able to bring on, but for uh for yourself as well to really bring up your day to really like see the, I, I, I imagine for you just kind of being exposed to kind of the creative energy that a lot of these guests have for their stuff really kind of brightens up your day and really gets that discussion, like going, gets the ground, you know, gets the ball rolling in your head. Oh yeah. I have full admittance. I won't tell you what streams they're for, uh, what podcasts there are. Sometimes I'm just completely brain dead and I don't know what yeah. to ask them. And I can't come up with anything. They've given me a very little to go off of, and I can only have so much time in the day to research them. Uh, and you could be honest to say you could be honest and say it's me. I get it. Like I'm not a fit. No, I'm, no. I'm joking. I'm joking. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the second that that like initial pressure wears off of them like you know i have my my uh wind up questions my icebreakers that i have to like really ease them in um you some some of the interviews were like again they they talked about themselves the entire time and from that instantaneously i have a hundred questions prepared like i don't have them written down they're just flowing out of my brain out of my mouth on the fly and that is what I love. I love the impromptu nature of, well, the beast. Uh, is it professional? One would, would argue no. Uh, but would you ever know, lest I told you just now? No, you wouldn't. So exactly. uh, a little, little trick of the trade. <laughs> Iris, I will be honest with you. That sometimes happens with me as well. It's like, I, I like <laughs> to be blunt, it kind of happened with this one because like, I'm not saying that I had nothing prepared to this. Obviously, like, you know, we've known each other for a good bit. I know obviously a good bit about you, but like, especially whenever you touched upon like the culinary arts thing, like whenever you started rolling with that, I'm like, oh, wait, hold on. Let me, let me fuck the questions I have here. Let me ask a million different more about that specific thing. Like it, mm-hmm. it, it, it's, it's interesting, like, you think you know what you're going to be talking about, but the instant that the guest gets rolling and brings up some interesting stuff, like, you're on, you're, you and the guests are on, like, an incredibly, like, different wavelength more than anything else. Oh, yeah. I have discovered a personal skill that I didn't know I had when I started doing this. Mm-hmm. I have a very good ability. I will not be humble with this. I, I'm very happy <laughs> with this ability. I have an innate ability to match the wavelength uh, of people that are on the stream. Mm-hmm. It sometimes takes me longer. Sometimes, you know, I'm not perfect. Sometimes I don't get it and I don't nail it. But I can usually always match the energy of the other person. And I've been told multiple times that they're like glad that I'm not pressuring them into questions, I'm not going fast, or that I had enough energy. It all really depends on the person that's on the other end. And I I am very happy that I, I have at least one social skill that I can apply to myself. <laughs> hey, it's a good skill I'm, more than anything else. I'm a VTuber for Christ's sake. Like I, I don't want anybody to see my face. I, small talk, I can't do it. <laughs> Damn, so don't sell yourself too short, Jesus. <laughs> no, but... I. 
it, it leads me to a good follow-up question. Like you kind of said that like there's sometimes you're going into an interview and you're not sure what exactly the, the vibe is going to be, or you're not exactly sure that like you can carry a conversation that entire time. What was the one guess or the one conversation that truly surprised you when it came to like how the conversation went? Like you, tr- like maybe you didn't, you had an idea of how you wanted to talk about a certain thing, but it went a completely different direction and you were all on board for it or like you weren't sure like how well this person was going to respond but they responded like surprisingly like on a different level than you anticipated like what was the most like yeah i think you kind of get the question at this point yeah i i mean i'm sure you know bandit at least a little bit Mm -hmm. uh smoking bandit now known as a sister bandit rebranded as a uh, sister of battle for Warhammer. there you go but at the time he was still a a wee little raccoon and i asked him very early on i wanted him to be my one of my first interviews and uh he said that he would answer any question that i gave to him and i was like okay i don't fully believe that I don't think that he would answer anything. Right. Uh, but the one thing that he was very open about, or at least two things, is, well, he has schizophrenia. And I don't know anybody with schizophrenia. So I wanted to ask questions. And I wanted to know about his condition and how he treats it. And the second thing is that he used to be uh, in, in the military, mm-hmm. in service. And so we got on track with the schizophrenia question. Um, which hand in hand with his military service only served to make it worse. Right. Um, but with his outlook on life, he was, uh, he always thinks about other people. That's Mm -hmm. usually like where he is. And like, we started talking about if there was anything he could do more and he, he just busted out crying. And I, I was absolutely stunned. I didn't know what to do. I wasn't expecting to have anybody cry on my stream ever from a question that I would ask. And uh, that moment right there was like, it, it was a good cry. I assure you, he wasn't angry with me. Right. Uh, he wasn't upset that I asked the question. He was happy that he got to be very open about it. Um, and he said that he wished that he could do more for the people around him, the people with worse than schizophrenia, the, the 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 stage that he's at, the people with PTSD uh, that he served nearby, right. um, and you know that's a big driving force for him. And uh, I was very very flattered. I was very moved, and it made me realize that yes, like sometimes uh, a question can be a bit on like on the the edge. Um, but those questions need to be asked from time to time. And I always give my guests, I give them the opportunity every time I make sure to say, hey, you can skip my question. Like I, I will pretend I never asked that question uh, for that purpose. But I, I will never forget that moment where we had a heart to heart and we completely forgot about chat. And chat was definitely scrolling with like lots of love and everything. Uh, but it was just me and him talking at that point. It was right. no longer about the interview. And uh, that was powerful for me. Uh, it, unforgettable. <laughs> it's it's almost it's almost a privilege to kind of have that kind of conversation in a podcast, isn't it? Like having a person truly be more open than they probably ever have been really 
open up about how they truly feel about a certain situation that you didn't even anticipate. Like you kind of went in, I imagine you kind of went in, you know, thinking like, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun, silly time. Maybe we might touch on some serious stuff. Who knows? But like, it's supposed to be a fun little conversation. And then whenever they really open up about something like that, like I said, it's, it's, it's almost like an honor that they trusted you enough to, to talk about this stuff with, and the fact that you showed that kind of respect for what they're talking about in return almost rewards it. Oh yeah, and then later on in that stream, I challenged him to a one v one in Nidhogg, <laughs> and I stole all of our our collective wives because we we acquire different wives and girlfriends through battle. Um, <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> completely platonically and with their uh, consent. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I mean, obviously, you've had like a a incredible like group of people like coming through come come and go through the podcast i mean just to go through a list of people that have both appeared on your podcast as well as my podcast is obviously eldritch grandpa too much sasha maxwell keith the wonderful pinch raccoon as well i think someone you're very close mm-hmm. and personal to uh <laughs> and of course i mean i you know it's kind of you know bragging a little bit but you know i i may have made a quick little appearance on there and had a fun time talking on there thank you once again for allowing me to be on there it was a really fun chat um of course is there is there a guess that you were genuinely surprised like other than bandit like you talked about is there a guess that you were surprised that you even were able to have on there in the first place like what, what would you say is honestly like the coolest experience you've had with poison point so far um if we're talking a guest that i like was really hoping would get on, but I I didn't think would respond to me. Uh, it was Eldritch Grandpa mm. because I had very limited interaction with him, uh, specifically during the era of VTube support, um, which was a very very like tight and uh, um, <laughs> a, a little stressful of an era. <laughs> and I was worried that impressions during that time where with the people I was associated with would mean that he wouldn't want to talk to me anymore. But lo and behold, he responded immediately after I sent him the message. And like that, he was instantly on the show. Uh, I had a week to prepare for him. <laughs> and uh, I, I was so excited to have him on. We had a conversation that I you know, I, I wouldn't say it was like anything too crazy. Like, I, I don't feel like I got the most personal of information out of him. Uh, but we talked a lot about characters because, well, he role plays. Yeah. And he has multiple characters that he likes to play. Uh, sounds someone like something like me. And I loved it. I loved every minute of it. It was so enjoyable. Uh, but if we're talking about somebody that I was like, I was not expecting the interview to go the specific way. It was the most like, oh my God, I I am not prepared for this moment ever. Um, was my interview with Eotidis. Okay. Uh, who who is the transfer mistress, um, okay. who is who was a big inspiration uh for uh, all of this that you see here. <laughs> um and you know, during that time, the character for Lulu uh, this character right here was really, really in development. Like it was just the beginning phases and she absolutely destroyed me. Uh, <laughs> the, she, she hit me with one pickup line and for the remainder of the show, I was completely beat red and stuttering at every sentence. And 
I don't know how I got through it. Like, she flirted with me the entire stream. Oh, damn. And she got a kick out of it. Chat got a kick out of it. It was one of those few moments where I felt like I had no control over anything that was happening. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it was kind of intimidating to have her on the other day. I did a, a an interview slash podcast with her talking about, uh, well, kinkiness mm. and being kinky as a VTuber and a content creator, and I held my ground. By by God, I was a lot stronger than I was back then. I learned a lot. So <laughs> That's because you were prepared. You knew you knew the battleground you were stepping onto. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I hope I was able to dish some of it back to her in uh in due fashion. So <laughs> I mean I was able to catch a little bit of that stream. I think you held your ground fairly well. I think you did a good job uh show, showcasing it. Now Obviously, you know, you got you've had some incredible guests throughout. I mean, you know, we I get I brought up some of the ones you've obviously illustrated some. But I know we have talked personally about a dream guest you would love to have on this on your on poison points. So for those who do not know, what would be the dream poison point guest? If I had my way and there was like no no problem with money and I could invite them on at any point it would be an absolute blast to pick the brain of Germa. Yes. Um, Germa is my number one, like, comedy inspiration. Um, everything that happens in my stream that is a bit of comedic horror mm-hmm. is in in part taken from his uh, very, like, giving into chat type of uh, the humor and his skits and his dad jokes and everything like that. Um it would I would love to have him on. Like honestly, if I could sit in that room, I'd be like uh, <laughs> What's your name? <laughs> but uh, it, it would be honestly I would take so much opportunity to even if it lasted four hours, I would try to learn as much as I could about him. Uh because I respect him. I have yeah. a lot of respect for what he's done and I want to know about his journey. Uh but I, I think I'm a little wee, wee too small for that. Uh, hey, Jerba, if you see this video, I would love to. But uh, yeah, that, that's where I'm at right now with my, my dream guest. <laughs> I mean, you say that, but all you have to do, like, if there's anything I've learned doing this, being on this podcast journey of my own or whatnot, all you got to do is take that first step and at least ask. I mean, best yeah. case scenario, you get the opportunity. Worst case scenario, he either doesn't respond or he just flat says, no, I can't. I mean, it, it doesn't hurt to at least try if you can. So I did try. Ooh. I sent him a message that I, I thought was pretty well written, uh, but something came up recently that made me rethink uh, the whole idea of getting something, somebody super popular on. Because for the most part, it's it's usually a hit or a miss, like you say. Like, mm-hmm. they say yes, they say no. Uh, but for some of them, and this isn't actually, like, a, a sign of, like, um, uh, disrespect towards you asking, but some of them can't do it without having some form of compensation. Like, right, uh, right. Y- you do need to to pay for their time because they are professional. Mm-hmm. And when you, you know, it's it's different when someone wants to be on because you know they will they'll they'll give you that time. They they want to give you that time. And for a lot of people that I've interviewed, uh, even if I've asked them, you know, there's no compensation required because the experience is enough right but for someone at the level of germa uh 
he doesn't know me. I'm basically a fan. Mm. I'm just trying to like get hit like a, a few hours of his time. He should be compensated for that. And that's that's something that I totally get. Yeah. I don't know where I would start with that. I don't know how much money he would want. <laughs> you won't know until but you I, ask. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll, you know, it's coming up on the year since I sent that message. So I'll try again. <laughs> yeah. it, does, it doesn't hurt to at least try. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, obviously, you know, it'd be I would love to see that conversation more than anything else because i know how you obviously again as someone that has been in the the interviewee seat for your stuff like i i can only imagine where the conversation would lead both knowing how you could drive a conversation but also knowing how germa is just in general (laughs) oh yes i i would uh, you know we we talked about it that i love doing lore segments uh and i have i've specifically have discussions with my interviewee like if i go into an interview they've provided me nothing for character lore then it's pretty much decided there will be no no lore talked about during stream but we will be discussing germa lore yes. if it's with germa uh he has his own universe so I'm, I'm very excited if that was an opportunity presented to me <laughs> i gotta get you in touch at some point with another former guest i found on this podcast named soda sneb um oh yes yes sneb is, is really good plus is a a big Germa fan who's actually gotten a chance to kind of work with Germa on some certain things. Um, one of the the logos that he did whenever he did VR Among Us was actually the logo that Sneb created. Um, oh, know, yes. Yeah, the, the, the Sus Guys logo and such. Um, <laughs> and, and in fact, the, the card game that uh, he presented or whatnot, some of the art in there is Sneb's art. Like Sneb was able to provide some art for the cards itself, which is insane to even think about. Um, but I figured you two would have a fun conversation regardless. Um, <laughs> oh yeah. Yes. I would love to have Sneb on. And also for this next question, I'm sorry, I'm going to be a little self-indulgent. Obviously like we had a wonderful conversation whenever, uh, whenever I was on, I mean, it was fantastic, but it's been a good couple months since I've last been on. Is there any mm-hmm. questions that you've wanted to ask since that interview to me like is there a que- like do you have any further questions that you weren't maybe either maybe hadn't been able to ask when we had our conversation or just one that you kind of developed the more we've gotten to know each other oh now i'm i feel like i'm on the spot it's because <laughs> uh, you, you know that that feeling when you get asked something and you've like you've put a lot of thought into it but mm-hmm. now all of the thoughts disappeared and right. all, everything that would have been is no longer um, I don't know if I really touched on it because we've talked about it a little bit in private. Mm-hmm. Um, have you ever considered ever at any point going all in on your, your Muppet man and mm-hmm. uh, being a VTuber for real, for real? The thing is, the thought is there. I just have no faith in my current setup right now to do it. That's the thing. That's fair. Like, like, don't get me wrong. Like, especially the the artwork that uh, Tipsy has initially put in on creating the character, and the fact that I even commissioned her to have like the the talking PNG is one thing. But I'll be blunt. I'm doing this. Uh, I'm doing all this stuff that I'm doing right now on a thousand dollar gaming laptop. You know, with you know the bare minimum stuff. 
I know that you can do streaming with the bare minimum, but I just don't trust my current setup right now, especially my internet thing more than anything else. If I had a better PC and if I had better internet access, I would dabble in it. I would love to do some, I would love to try, you know, VTubing. Obviously, I'm around a bunch of VTubers. Why not just, you know, take a stab and try to go all in with it more than anything else? And even then, like you were talking a little bit about, you know, uh, like whenever I made the joke about the ninja chef or you were talking about like the tank girl or whatnot, like, you know, why not presenting that? Like as much as I love Mr. Moneybags, I'm not fully sold on going with that as the way I wanted to represent myself. I mean, that's going to be the baseline. That's going to be probably the one I first go with when I finally do streaming, because a lot of people recognize that for me these days or whatnot, but yeah, it's, it, it's, it's a thought, but when it comes to actually wanting to do VTubing, I do. I want to VTube at some point in the future. Okay. I was thinking about, like, if you get somebody who's a little bit more popular on uh, the next time. So we'll say a random, random actor, uh, Jason Statham. Uh, you get him on the podcast, the uh, the Postmodern Art Podcast, and you open your camera, and it's just a VTuber, and that's what he has to deal with the entire time. Would be so funny, and you've you've not led into the the fact that you're a VTuber at all with them. I think would be the best way to start an interview. <laughs> you have no idea how much I love that idea. You have no idea how much I want to do that. I want to do just. Especially with like an actor of that caliber, because it's either I'm either going to get the person being stripped just like, OK, this is completely ridiculous. What the fuck is going on? Or I could get someone that's like a Michael Caine or a Tim Curry kind to where they see Muppet and they're in like they're they're on board for it. And they're just going to go along with the ride one way or another, either mm -hmm. because they themselves embrace the fact that they're basically a Muppet for this interview or the fact that they're going to take me seriously as a, a, as a professional podcast host, just dressed up as a fucking Muppet. <laughs> I, I break it up because of what I talked about before is my mission statement where disturbing the comfortable and comforting the disturbed. Um, it, there, there's actually merit that comes with that in an interview setting mm -hmm. because um, if somebody comes in with rehearsed lines, which is part of the reason why I don't let anybody know the questions beforehand, right? Um, you don't get a lot of personality from it because it's just another day, you know. But if you open up a stream, or a well, in my case, a stream, but your case, of a uh, an interview, and you immediately turn on the webcam and you completely throw them off with a VTuber model, now their rehearsed nature is gone right. and they do have to start thinking about what they want to say um you know if they're extremely professional sure they'll be able to hold on to it uh but that that whole that that idea exists for a reason you know impromptu is super important to learning the true nature of somebody um you know, that's what i'm all about so i mean i i certainly <laughs> see that and i'm honestly now I have to get in the VTubing just so I can do that. Thank you, Iris. You gave me another reason to, to, to go in the VTubing. <laughs> you got it, boss. <laughs> I mean, speaking of VTubing, like, obviously, you, you've invested a lot of time when it comes to VTubing, especially with the, the podcast you've been able to present. Like, you've put in a lot of time when it comes to, to the field of art in one way or another. Like, whether it be, obviously, the content creation, the VTubing, as well as, like, the culinary aspect. Like, thinking of your journey as an artist in one aspect for another, does it surprise you how far you've been able to come along as an artist? Yes. When 
I was doing YouTube. I only had the uh, the Sony Vegas expertise under my belt. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how to do anything else. It was just cut clips, and that was it. And you know, I had a bit of a plateau for many years. But coming back here, I felt like my creativity spiked. My opportunities opened up. I learned so many new things. Uh, the dual screen setup is a godsend, where you can have uh, the tutorial on the right and what you're doing on the left and just grinding for hours and hours to learn a technique that I don't see people use or I can teach to somebody. Um, Basically, a lot of what you see today and what I've done, completely self-taught. And I, this model too, even, I made it all by myself. I had no help. Um, I, if I, if you ask the me from like five to six years ago, when I started YouTube, if this was me, I don't think I would believe myself. Uh, I, I don't think I would believe that I could have done this all on my own. So that's that's, yeah. that's <laughs> that, I'll say that's honestly heartwarming to hear. I mean, especially seeing how far you've been able to to develop, especially along this to this point. Like, especially hearing your story so far, like it's honestly kind of inspiring. It's kind of amazing to hear like how far you've been able to come along and it's really encouraging especially for some that may be you know at that low point like you were at one point you know that you previously mentioned up to see you boreless persevere go forward and create this incredible version of yourself the best version that you've been able to present so far like it, it like i said before it's almost like a movie in a way it's really encouraging Thank you. Now, if only I could bring some of that, like, motivation to, like, purchasing a new phone, uh, because <laughs> it, it's a, basically a running gag. A lot of my stuff can't go for longer than, like, two and a half hours, because, um, you know, my phone is broken. It's been mm-hmm. busted. I've had the same iPhone ten for as long as I remember, because uh, it's still new to me, but we're at, like, 16, 17, 18 now. Um it, it won't charge unless it sits on one of those wireless chargers, which oh, are are not as efficient and also don't fit in a an iPhone mount. Uh, and they will die faster than they charge while you're doing all of this face rig. So, <laughs> well, I guess in a way that kind of leads to my next question, if I may. And let me, Iris, give you more or less the dream scenario, if I may. Stick with me. Mm-hmm. There's a good reason why I'm transitioning here for this. Let's say I am Big Shot Mr. Moneybags like you had mentioned before. I get to talk to him like, look, Iris, we've seen some of the stuff you've been toying around with. We know that there's potential for something incredible. You just need an extra boost, extra platform to get you to that next point. We have Mm -hmm. access to anyone and everyone, whatever industry possible. And more money than there should be possible, you really should be making sure that, you know, People, especially in the, the culinary arts industry, are really compensated for the incredible work. Maybe have something a little bit more stable than what's out there. We'll focus on that a little bit. Right now, we are focusing on you and you alone. If given this opportunity, what would be the dream Iris Neo Lutrium project? And why would that start with a, a, a legit camera instead of a phone? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, here's the cool thing. I, I just got to say, the phone is like the highest tier that you can receive at the moment with our current technology, though there is a a work being done into the Xbox Kinect camera because those are extremely accurate and also extremely accurate for full body tracking. Uh, So I probably wouldn't go for a professional camera if I was going to take anything from you, uh, the money bags himself. What I would go for 
is I would want to do this full time. Okay. Uh, I would want editors. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> that's a good start. That's a good. That's a good look <laughs> forward. Because honestly, I love making content. I love the long form, thought out, spend six hours grinding for a minute long video. That is one of my favorite things to do. But for all the other stuff, clips and uh, all the moments on stream that I have, I want to make videos that are full cut down versions of the stream. I don't have the energy to do that. I'm just, I'm burnt out. I don't have the time. Right. I would want, st- I-, I would want staff, like a dedicated staff to myself. <laughs> I mean, Hey, that's a good foundation. And honestly, something I'd like to aspire for myself. So trust me, I get it. I get it. Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> But sadly, we gotta get down from the dream scenario. We gotta get back to reality, and I'll ask oh, the no. yes, and I'll ask the ever so generic question: Where do you hope to see yourself in say five to ten years from now? Um, well, I'm 26 now, so I'm hoping to see myself be 31. That uh, that'd be a good start. <laughs> that'd be a very good start. <laughs> I have kind of decided for myself if VTubing doesn't work, I. In, in that set amount of time, exactly five years, actually, funnily enough, uh, I would I would finally go back to pursuing culinary arts as my main set of like profession. But if I could keep doing VTubing and it was like if I wanted to be in the position in five years that I want to be at, I would want to be at partner. I would want to have a, like uh, a thousand, we'll say a thousand consecutive viewers. And I want to build a community that is thriving and uh you know accepting and inclusive and i want to be a role model for people uh i'm not the what a lot of people would think a like fully transitioned trans woman would be like uh i've i've cut like cut a certain amount of things because i they're not important to me personally and i want to let other people know who are, are at that level or who are worried that they'll never be at the max level um that they don't have to be like that. You can just be like me. Um, silly old you. Because the important part is not that you look like a woman or on the trans mask side, that you look like a man, you talk like a man. It is feeling comfortable in your own skin. That is number one priority. Um, and that can come at any level that you see fit personally. So, yeah. Well, there you go. That 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 is <laughs> that is lovely word. That is wonderfully worded. That is perfectly worded like that little bit i mean more than anything else i mean i know i know that's something that i have how should i word this this might be a little too personal but i'm just gonna go and say it's something that i've been kind of like working with with my girlfriend Uh, she's someone that has been transitioning since earlier this year i mean she she's known that she's wanted to transition for a while but she finally has the opportunity to really start with that and i'm trying to do what i can to help kind of affirm that that gender identity that she wants Um, more than anything else but I also want to let her like I've been introducing her to people that I can to kind of just let her know that like at the end of the day just feel comfortable with who you are that that's the only thing that should be more important more than anything else like I've I've introduced her to Sasha not too long ago and like she Mm -hmm. she has straight up told me that like being around Sasha's kind of made her feel a lot more comfortable especially with like pop in the VCs and talking more than anything else and that's something that's been like really encouraging Um, and it's something that I, it makes me excited to know that like what little bit I am doing to again kind of affirm her identity these days is it's it's really 
it, it's incredible to see her be more comfortable with herself. Mm-hmm. If I may, uh, tell her to become a VTuber. <laughs> oh no, no, she's trying. No, legitimately, she's trying. She is. Okay. Uh, she 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 has. She already has like a vision in mind. Um. So I'll, I'll go ahead and say her name is Christine. Uh, she named mm-hmm. herself that after the uh, classic Stephen King novel that got turned to a movie in 1983 called Christine about the killer car. Um, okay. Because that was that was her and her dad's like favorite film. So she wants to do something that's like loosely based on that in one way or another. Like and maybe having like her color scheme being like the red and white, just like the 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 muscle car uh, more than anything else. So like, trust me, that's pos- that's part of the reason why I also wanted to introduce her to Sasha and such because the VTuber aspect. Um, I've mm-hmm. I- I've even introduced her to Grandpa as well. So I mean, there you go. Like the, kind of like the again like the. The, the affirmation when it comes to being a VTuber as well as the, the, the trans affirmations. Like, I'm doing what I can to help out what little I can do. <laughs> oh, yes. the I, I, I don't mention the VTubing part as, like, a being able to be what, like, your ideal version would be. Right. But also, you know, as a whole, uh, it's very easy to tell and see that VTubers are very inclusive. Mm-hmm. And they, they tend to do what I like to call as, like, adopting – uh, they will bring you into a space, and they're like, "Okay, you're you're ours now. We're yep. we're friends. We're gonna take care of you." <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, and that's awesome. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> I I guess in a way, I, like I I'm giving I, I'm trying to show her up for adoption. I guess <laughs> that's, a, that's a horrible way to word that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, my girlfriend's up for adoption. Take her. In. <laughs> Oh shit! That's, that's a I want, I want you on Poison Boy. <laughs> yeah, Christine, you're watching this right now. You're gonna become a VTuber. I'm gonna bring you on Poison Boy. Yeah, there you go. There you go. As as we start to wind down the interview, I just have one last question I want to ask you, Iris. Obviously, as we talked, you've been deeply entrenched in art in one way or another for ages, for for years mm-hmm. at this point. How important is art, not just for you, but for the world as a whole? Oh, I want to answer this like properly, give it like a good old send off. So for me in my life, what I've experienced as a person who lives inside her own head a lot, art is an outlet with which I can let that steam out and put all of those ideas on paper. And eventually, you know, they, they're created and it wells up again. And it's a cycle. It helps mm-hmm. me keep going and remembering what I love to do. I think as a whole, for the rest of the world, a world without art is honestly a world without vision and um, uh, autonomy, like uh, freedom, honestly. Like, it's cheesy to say that art is freedom, mm-hmm. but really being able to have access to a medium in which you are able to creatively express yourself and remind you what it means to be human. Uh, that in itself is true freedom at the end of the day. Freedom from your job. Uh, even if you are an artist as a job, uh, you got to have some of it for yourself. Take some. Be, be hedonistic. Um, <laughs> I think that is, that's how I would define the, the value of art in the entirety of the world, culture, and everything. I think that is wonderfully worded, if I do say so myself. 
Um, <laughs> Iris, that's all the questions I have for you. I've already showered you with a whole bunch of praise, but I'm going to show you a little bit more because it's my podcast. I do whatever the fuck I want. Um, <laughs> I, I'm sure you wouldn't mind a little bit more praising at this point, right? Um, oh, oh, please. Give me a little bit. I'll, I'll, I'll do whatever it takes, right? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Um, no, but in all seriousness, Iris, like ever since I first became aware of you like i was instantly like suckered in more than anything else like i i absolutely loved like the vibe you usually gave off like the the like i said the personality and just kind of your your energy is so it's just intoxicating more than anything else ironic so in fact you know the, the the poison dart frog thing but that's aside from the point um like seriously like you provide a really good atmosphere uh, no matter if it's like on stream or just in you know VCs more than anything else, like you are someone that I always enjoy talking to every single chance that I get, um, especially getting an opportunity to interact with you more. Like being on Poison Points, which was a fun and wonderful experience, and honestly one of the best podcast experience I've ever had an opportunity to be on. And I sincerely thank you for that, um, as well as like getting a chance to actually sit down and talk to you here today hearing more about your story, hearing the, the trials and tribulations that get you to this point to where you're truly the best version of yourself right now that you can be, and knowing that there's potential for more, there there's room for more growth, and it makes me more or less excited to see like what you're going to be doing next, both as Iris, the, you know, the content creator, and both Iris the person. Like you're a genuinely mm-hmm. incredible person, and I thank you for taking the opportunity to put yourself out there and to also lift other people up whenever you can. You're doing fantastic with with what you're doing right now, and just know that I will always be by your side, rooting for you every single chance that I get because you absolutely deserve it. And then some. Thank you, Iris, for what you do. Please keep up the incredible work. And thank you for all the kind words and praise. I I am really bad at taking compliments, uh, like verbally returning it as far as like you can understand, but I always internalize and I remember these for a long time. So, <laughs> I, you know, I, as as long as you take it personally, that's all I can say. That's all I that's all I can take. That's all I can appreciate more than anything else. Now, if people may be curious on why exactly I'm giving you all this praise and then some and want to see some of the incredible creative ways you're able to to showcase yourself, go ahead and plug yourself for the people at home. Okay. Well, you can find me at Irisu Pison. That's Irisu, Irisu, and then P-A-I-S-E-N. Basically anywhere. You can find me on TikTok, on YouTube, on Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash Irisu Bison. But on Twitter, the only place I'm different is I am at the real Irisu. I'm the real one. I'm the only one, baby. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, don't acknowledge the other ones like, you know, Irisu Neo or whatever other Twitter account. Just focus on the real Irisu. Oh, yes. Those other ones are for you to find. I actually like the idea that I don't promote them. And if you stumble upon it, you do get the experience of my side art that not everybody, I I don't want to push into everybody's faces. It's my own personal project. So, well, I mean, hey, that's just that. I guess that's kind of the part of this interesting kind of lived in experience you're giving people through this virtual world more than anything else. Yeah. Oh, a froze. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have any final words before we sign off? Um, stay classy, be sexy. And I know it sounds weird. A lot of like 
life, many people in your life may tell you the opposite. Never stop craving. Uh, obviously, within your own boundaries, don't don't overstep your bounds and be an ass to other people, but always crave and continue to push yourself to hit new boundaries. Also, uh, you should subscribe to the Postmodern Art Podcast <laughs> at, at this channel here today. Otherwise, I may get just a little bit angry with you, but we don't have to have, to have, that, have that happen, now do we? <laughs> I mean, you don't have to flatter me. You're already appearing on the podcast itself, but I appreciate the plug. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and I was going to say, it's ironic that the culinary artist is the one saying you should continue to crave. You should always crave. I, you know... <laughs> I, I didn't want to make it too kinky, but uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of there's there's a lot of mixture in that, and and like real kinks and stuff, and yeah. it's just a part of my life. So <laughs> that is valid. That is very valid. But regardless, with all that, I ha all I have left to say is for the people at home, if you can, pay your artists. Oh yes. Hashtag hit hit tweet. <laughs> Thank you so much for sticking around to the end. If this is your first time listening, I sincerely do appreciate it. Like I said in the intro, uh, this is the first episode, obviously, back from our little mini hiatus. And I'm really glad I got to show you guys this incredible conversation with Iris. Um, Iris, if you've gotten up to this point, thank you a million times over. You have sincerely been an incredible person to have in this little community, whether it be VTuber, artists, whatnot. And you're someone I sincerely do consider a close friend at this point. Thank you for letting me into your little world for a little bit and having a little fun. <laughs> and especially now with the whole entire rebranding thing that uh, Iris did, it's, it's absolutely outstanding to, you know, I, I, oof. maybe we can have another episode for loot in the future. <laughs> we'll see about that. Or maybe I can just pop up on, you know, loot's place, or maybe I can, you know, bring them back for, a certain thing that I might be toying around. No, I'm, I'm just going to tell y'all. No, literally, you guys are going to be seeing loot next week. <laughs> uh, for Valentine's Day, I'm releasing another episode of Google Trendy. And this time, it'll be with the fantastic Loot VT and their partner, Pinch Raccoon. I mean, I figured for Valentine's Day, I figured I'd feature a cute little couple. <laughs> Thank you guys for the continued love and support you all gave. Um, especially whenever I went on like my little mini hiatus, trust me, a lot of chaos went down a lot, <laughs> but I am so glad that you guys are still showing that love and support. Um, it really does help me at the end of the day. Um, it absolutely blows my mind to, to see the, the people that really do love and appreciate what we're putting out here. There, there are genuine times where I'm not, I, I, it's hard for me to really gauge how much of a reach I have 
But your guys' consistent support whenever we're not constantly doing things, when it's a little bit of a lull period, it really shows me how much, how special you guys are, how caring you guys are, and how wonderful and blessed I am to have you guys as a part of this community. Um, I really cannot wait to see what we have going forth. Because this is also, also, this is the first episode of 2024. I just realized that. Holy crap. Like, I know it started off a little slow, but we've got a big year ahead of us, people. Like, okay, I'm calling it right now. Because I'm being bluntly honest with y'all. Uh, in May, this year, I'm going to be attending my first convention, Momocon. It will be the first time I feature any sort of IRL content on this podcast. Um, which has me excited because I have some plans for bonus stuff. I'm going to try to see what I can do about getting a legit episode down. Because I want to do a real life interview for the podcast on like in person. That is the ultimate goal, but I can't guarantee anything. But at the very least, I can promise you guys some fun bonus content. Um, I'm working on maybe doing some IRL Google Trendy stuff. Uh, obviously doing a little mini vlog thing. You know, it should be fun. And that's just in May. Alright, that's the big thing I have planned for this year. Lord knows what the rest of this year has in store for us. <laughs> but all I do know, at the very least, is as long as you guys keep showing that love and support, not just for myself, but for the incredible people that I keep bringing on this amazing podcast... That'll make it all worth it. It has me really excited. More than anything else. Let's make 2024 extra special. Let's make it absolutely amazing. Let's make 2024, hands down, a outstanding year. Keep up that love support. You guys have a fantastic one. Keep being creative.